This episode of Learning with Lim, I talked to Donnie Roberts, who is the president and CEO of the Small Exchange, who has big ideas on why he started the Small Exchange, what went behind it, and the products specifically that he will be launching with the Small Exchange, and also why this would appeal to the retail investors. Hi, this is Lynette again, and welcome to Learning with Lim. Today, we're happy to have Donnie Roberts here, who is the CEO and founder of Small Exchange. So well, welcome. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm very excited. I've been hitting the road a lot lately, and it's really nice to be able to be here with you in our hometown of Chicago. Okay. So thank you. So where, is your, where was your last uh, trip? I just got back in from New York City this morning. Oh, um, this morning. Actually. Yes, yes. I went and spoke at the Benzinga Trading FinTech Awards. Okay. And uh, so we enjoyed that. Met a lot of folks out in New York City. Made some good contacts to benefit the exchange, we hope, and benefit us all. Okay, so first question first. Uh, yeah. What is the ETA? When do you think CFTC? Oh, the, 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 million big question, the million dollar yeah. question. Okay, Let's so we have spoken to our, our reviewers and they have told us that they're done reviewing our application. They, okay. Their memorandum to the divisions and to the Office of General Counsel is to approve us as a designated contract market. So what that means to us is I hope it's in the next month or so that we okay. get the designation. So we can be live on light this thing up with fireworks in January of 2020. Okay. Okay. And how has um, the process been so far for like applying? What was the most difficult? <laughs> what was the most difficult so, thing? So we've all done some pretty difficult things in our lives, especially right. in a highly regulated environment. Right. And this was a pretty big challenge. So the process stood, started with me sitting in a room with the application from the CFTC reading all the rules that applied, knowing and understanding the core principles, then getting it down on paper, and then starting hiring people to actually review what I had done and then using their domain expertise to round out the application. Now, it took us about seven months, eight months to actually get it all down on paper to get ready to submit to the CFTC. So we submitted in December of last year, Okay. and we've gone through a review period with the CFTC okay. to make sure that the content was there. Okay. And then we had to go and demonstrate our trade matching engine and our risk controls of our, of our exchange. And then we went through more of a question and answer period, and you know, after about two feet high of paper, uh, <laughs> we, we've completed the process, and now we're just going through questions of updating our financials and things like that. So we're completed the process. And you mentioned what was the biggest challenge? Yeah. Getting a clearing entity, a designated clearing organization to to clear our exchange. I thought uh, there's not many left, so I don't I thought that would be an easy process. Oh, right? uh, so a lot of people think that that'd be an right. easy process, right? So right. we're starting a new exchange, so what do you do? You approach the CME clearinghouse. Yeah, well, first one. Right. So theoretically, you're competing against them. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, there's a lot of resistance mm-hmm. that rightfully or wrongfully uh, raises its head. Mm-hmm. And so the CME, that could have been a very prolonged process. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at some smaller firms, uh, the Minneapolis Grand Exchange. We oh, approached okay. ICE just to find out where we could go, what had the best possibility for membership for our exchange, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we always liked the OCC. 
the OCC we we felt is one of the preeminent clearing organizations in the world. Mm-hmm. They had the right membership that we wanted to help us build our customer base and have our clearing entities already become clearing members of the OCC. Yeah, but there you have to go through a process as well. You have to go through similar question and response period about your products, the margining of your products, the risk. You you have to do an enterprise risk assessment for them. You mm-hmm. have to provide various technological architecture definitions and system safeguards and cybersecurity, just like you do for any very large entity. Okay. And uh, it was an interesting experience, but it made us stronger because a lot of the questions the CFTC, although they may appear to have been similar, the CFT, the OCC had their own concerns, right? So, so what was the difference between CFTC and... Uh, the, the risk was a a larger con- was a pretty big concern with the OCC like the margining of the products the okay. the construct of the products etc okay okay and did you consider at that time to start your own clearing oh yes we did we actually reviewed on part 39 uh, of the CFTC uh, mm-hmm. rules for mm-hmm. a DCO but you can do anything. You can't mm-hmm. do everything. <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> and to take on both of the tasks at the same time would have taken us our, our eye off the prize of building our exchange and bringing it to market. Okay. Uh, so, and we knew the OCC. Look, they've got quite the reputation. They're a right. SIFMU. Eventually, we're opening a, a futures exchange. But eventually, we want to launch options on our futures products. Which is equity. Which, which is what the OCC does pretty much better than anybody else. Right. So we thought it was a good fit. We liked the personnel. We liked that they were going to be revamping their technology stack to grow for the future. Okay. And we feel that we would have all the pieces fit in that respect. We felt that we would we would be able to grow with them as our exchange grew. Okay. Through their new technology stack. So um, just for the audience's sake, what is the role that the U.S., the exchange play versus the clearing house plays? Okay, right? very so good. Just what, what's the difference? So the, roles? the major difference is that with, with the exchange, we do the matching of buyers and sellers. Firms such as yours, Phillips, different clearing firms will join us, different participants that will connect to us directly to route orders, market makers, etc. They all have clearing firms. So all those orders in our central limit order book will come to us. We will match the trades okay. and provide them fills back to you and your customers, the market makers, etc. But the OCC arranges for the guarantee of settlement of those trades. Okay. So okay. we're going to match them and they're going to settle them. Okay, and then you guys create the products, right? Correct, so, correct. We the, correct the, we we create the products. All new products will have to run through the CFTC uh, through a filing, and then we also will be in close concert with the OCC because they have to clear them, and we we have to work out a, a risk profile and in the margin requirement on the different products, etc. So have to work very closely with the OCC. Okay. And then just for my question, I, I, I didn't read it properly, but what kind of risk system are you all using? Is it SPAN as well or is it different? Version? So our, our products will out of the gate be margined with the SPAN profile. Okay. And as far as the risk system, we have built something we call the ARM. It's an admin and risk monitor that will allow our clearing members to monitor 
and access all of their customer order flow through our risk monitoring system. Okay. Okay. So, and then in this one, we'll set in through this risk monitoring system. We'll all you will put controls on your introducing brokers or your direct market access participants, etc. Mm-hmm. And then we will put risk controls that will work out with the clearing FCM, and we will also have exchange risk controls as well. So say you have a customer, uh, Rolling Stone Incorporated, that comes to us direct market access, and Philips is the clearing firm. Mm -hmm. Philips would have the ability to go in and monitor that customer, cancel their open orders, uh, put a disconnect, cancel on disconnect, or, or, you know, various risk controls that you can monitor that customer with. Okay, okay. So let's change calls a little bit. So how did... Like, tell us a bit about yourself of how you end up here. How did I get here? Yeah, oh, get my here. God. I, I told this story last night. So Short uh, version. <laughs> short version. I know it's tough. But short version is, is I moved out to Chicago after graduate school. In graduate school, I took a couple of derivatives classes and an options class. Okay. And when I started looking at where I could go, I was like, London, New York, or Chicago. And I was like, I've never been to Chicago. Okay. So I started reading about the markets. I had a fr- turned out I had a friend that lived out here, and I came out and applied for a job. And I started out as a trade checker on the floor of the CBOE. I was a market maker at the CBOE, and then uh, the company I worked for at the time, Interactive Brokers, I sold electronic trading platforms for them. Mm-hmm. So they had me work at all the different exchanges here in Chicago to learn how they routed orders, how orders were handled, and all this good stuff, mm-hmm. which was a tremendous rounding out of my education. And then I met these guys, Tom Sosnoff and Scott Sheridan, mm-hmm. and I was given a presentation on the, the electronic order routing and execution. And these Where two were they at the time? They were at the CBOE. They were um, traders. They were traders. Okay. And they wanted to start a, an options brokerage firm which okay. was Thinkorswim. Okay. So we put about five guys in a room and put five alpha males or guys that thought they were alpha males in a room. And I drew the short straw and my job was to be the compliance officer. <laughs> of them. <laughs> of, their, of, these, of these nice gents. And we built this firm and I was the chief compliance officer and then I was the managing director of operations and I became the chief operating officer, etc. And then we sold Thinkorswim to TD Ameritrade. Okay. I stayed on at TD Ameritrade, and I helped start their FCM. Uh-huh. So I was the president of their Futures and Forex company. And, you know, I had been going, Lynette, just like you, I'd been going about 120 miles an hour for about 15 years. Okay. And I got tired. And I said to my wife, I said, look, do you mind if uh, I think I could take a little break here? <laughs> and we talked about it, and she was like, of course, I'll support you in any decision you make. Okay. So I did that, and I went and talked to my son, and he was the reinforcer. I was driving him to school, and I said, Xander? Well, he first he said, he goes, Dad, I heard you and Mom talking last night. I was like, oh, my God, what did he hear? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, about you taking off work. He goes, Dad, it's almost summertime. I'd love it if we can hang around all summer. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm done. I, I don't need to stay here. Uh, so I decided to retire for a little bit. From, from TD Ameritrade. From TD Ameritrade. Okay. And then I was home, and my golf swing wasn't going to get me on the PGA Tour. <laughs> okay, <too bad. laughs> My wife got a little tired of me being around the house all the time. And 
So I started talking to a friend of mine on Tom Sosnoff. So how long did you stay unemployed? A couple of years, a little over two years. Okay, okay. That's was, quite long. Oh, it was. It was, <laughs> it was like having a real long summer vacation <laughs> yeah. in high school, right? Right. So I loved it. But then I met, I sat down and I had breakfast with Tom. We were talking about things, different things, and where we saw opportunities in the financial industry, etc. And then he asked me out to breakfast again, and I could... I knew he was feeling me out for what I wanted to do. Okay. And we started talking about the futures industry. And we, we talked about how we felt that the futures industry and futures products was pretty much getting to be the right time and right place for, for someone to enter the marketplace. And he looks at me and he smiles and I knew he was up to something because he goes, well, what do you think about starting an exchange? I started laughing and I said, well, I... Let's take a look at it. Right. So he goes, do me a favor, read the application, and then we'll meet again, and, you, and you'll let me know if we could do it. And I read all the questions, and I read a lot of the rules, and I reviewed some of the DCM information on the CFTC website from prior submissions. And I was like, there's nothing here that we haven't been asked or answered, and there's nothing we haven't demonstrated before. Okay. So I met with Tom and he goes, can we do it? I said, yeah, we can do it. He goes, how much? <laughs> and right. I said, That's well, yeah. <laughs> I go, well, it'll cost us about 10 million to get started. And then we'll need some additional capital as, as we get closer to the and process. And how did you come up with the number, 10 million? Or was it just a nice well, round Well, it was a nice round number, <laughs> part of it. But, but we started Thinkorswim with 5 million. Okay. And then I just... Did the time value of money in my head? And I was like, <laughs> well, we need $10 million. Okay, okay. I go, because one, we needed a lot more equipment to start. Yep. Do, you, do you follow me? Yeah, the trade engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Needed a lot more, a lot more horsepower, okay. as they say. Okay. And so he goes, well, what if I told you that we got that money and, you know, give you a chance to change the world? I was like, well, you can't say no to that. Right, I go, right, but right, at right. least I got to go home and talk to my wife. Right, you know? right. So I went home and I talked to my wife and she goes, she goes, well, you're, you're much better. You, you seem more comfortable in starting businesses and, and helping them grow than maintaining businesses. Okay. She goes, um, we're behind you a hundred percent. So your wife has a lot of wisdom. She is. She's a, she's a good lady. She's, she's, a, sometimes she's a little tough on me, <laughs> but that's okay. There's a lot of times I deserve it too. So, but to your point, a lot of wisdom. She knows me, and she knows that this would breathe life. And yeah. it just and then from that moment on, I just called Tom and I said, "All right, let's get started." Okay. He goes, "When can you start?" I said, "Give me a couple of weeks, and then I'll come in the office." And so I walked into a, an office that where in in his current office space and. I said, well, you got a seat for me? He goes, well, you're right over there for now. <laughs> and then uh, went upstairs in what was the storeroom. And I cleaned out the storeroom, made a spot at a desk for myself. And uh -huh. Started looking at what we needed first. And we needed technology. We needed a CTO yep. first. Yeah. And then we needed developers. And then I needed an operations person. Right. And then I needed another operations person to help him because there were a lot of tasks, right? Right. And then we hired a regulatory officer and a business development person. And lo and behold, now we've taken up above that, that whole floor there. We've got 21 full-time employees. We've got 25 developers. And we can flex that developers uh, out to 35. 
We're about a month away from moving into our new office. We're built an office in, in North Aberdeen in the West Loop here in Chicago. Okay. So that's coming close. I was just over there last week and I saw the the progress that they've made and it looks terrific. And okay, good. That'll help us with our launch, Lynette, because we'll be in our own space mm-hmm, with our mm-hmm. own desks. Mm-hmm. And we're just very excited about it. That's good. So we, it's been quite the journey to get here. A yeah. lot of experiences along the way, a lot of good and bad. As you know, you've been in business for a long time yourself. Right, right. Uh, I got the scars to prove it, and but I've got the experience to, to fall back on when things get a little challenging, so to speak. Yeah, so, so when you're now doing this kind of post-retirement new phase of life type, <laughs> and this time or this era compared to when you first you know start this think or swim together with Tom what is the significant difference that you see oh the significant difference or is, are they about the same I think regulatorily there's a, a lot of similarities on just expanded questions for certain areas like okay. on the CFTC side especially for an exchange it's principles based right so you have to answer all these questions regarding core principles. However, you as the exchange, as the SRO, got to create a rule book. Right. Whereas when I registered entities with FINRA or in Singapore, or Australia, or the NFA, everything was a rules base. They kind of yeah, you're a member. You're yeah, the you're, member. You're yeah, here. yeah. And they hand you the rule book and they hand you what they want to see, etc. And but now we have these core principles from the CFTC. And we have to create our own set of rules for our exchange that govern our exchange, which is pretty cool and interesting, right? Because you you get to draw from the best of all worlds to construct your rule book. Now, the difference from when I first started to now is the access that the public has to the financial markets. You can, when I first started, the exchange floor was a very crowded place. No, it's not so much, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. The vast majority of all orders, as you know, are routed electronically. The access for the individual public customer has grown tenfold since since the Thinkorswim days. All the different types of platforms. Everybody on the planet can route a trade. Speed has been commoditized. I remember when... Well, the, one of the first questions when someone tested out your software was, how fast is it? Yeah, it's not even a question anymore. Right, it, yeah. it's not. Uh, now it, it's more of customer service for, for brokerage firms. It's a lot more customer service, mm-hmm. content that you provide them, mm-hmm. um, trading tools to help them make better decisions. That mm-hmm. is more important, way more important than speed. Mm-hmm. Do you follow me? Yeah. yeah. And that is one of the bigger things that I've noticed. And then when it comes to the future side, We've watched the equity and equity option space grow over the years, mm-hmm. but we've watched the future side contract in certain respects, right? The number of FCMs that are out there. And actually, you know, the overall volume has also contracted yes. over the years. Yeah. And we feel that our product and our offering, because we're going to make them small, standard, and simple, the products, so the masses can understand them and consume them. We're, we're hoping to reverse a bit, a, a bit of that trend from the futures and options on futures uh, okay. point of view. So I guess the big question is, why do you see a market for that? Like, why do you see a market for this? Or And then I'll, I'll, I'll later ask you more questions about each product, but just why 
Yeah. Why do I feel why, this why way? Is there a, why is there a market to have a I, I think it's the right time and the right place for uh, people to consider trading the small exchange. And for a couple of different reasons. Existing futures products mm-hmm. have it all over ETFs and mutual funds in respect to efficiencies, capital requirements, uh, more direct participation. Correct. Uh, and, but however, existing futures products are also a little bit unwieldy, yep. meaning the size of them. Mm-hmm. The average investor can't, can't utilize these products. They are sometimes confusing because of all the different tick sizes that come with uh, the existing futures products. And they're not very consumable, meaning uh, all the different expirations all the different all the different expiration cycles, all the different tick sizes. You almost need a map and a compass to be able to trade them and, and to follow along with your own positions. Now, when it comes to the equity side, the equity side of the house, Lynette, the equity side of the house has become terribly cash inefficient for the individual public customer. And I'll give you an example of that. So I don't know... I haven't checked since this morning, but I'll use SPY, for example, on the equity side. So okay. SPY is trading a little over $300 right now, probably 305 to 310 maybe. Okay. All right. Now, just think of the logistics of that. So it's $100, 100 shares of a 300 and some odd dollar stock. That's $30,000 in a cash account. Yeah, no right? way. No way the average investor can, can absorb that, right? Yep. And then in a reg team margin account, that would cost a little over 15000 say for right. the sake of argument, yeah, 15500 15800 whatever. That's still, a, that's still hard right. for the individual public customer to trade that. Yeah. For example, our, our SMF 75 stock equity index for that same exposure – will give you will you'll be able to trade that 100 shares say for depending on I don't know what the margin requirement is today but say for the sake of argument less than $800 that would be the capital you'd have to put up to be able to to get that same exposure that you do on the equities market so i think that the equities world is not as capital efficient for the individual customer mm-hmm. I think that the futures market, because of its non-standardization, has kind of, and the size of the contracts, has kind of pushed people off from being able to think that they could trade the futures products. Mm-hmm. And I think we're trying to create a product that new new customers can trade, existing traders can size it, and we want to, we think will appeal to everybody in between as well. So, can you explain um, a little bit more that you're saying that? Okay, I understand now why the equity side has not capital efficient because the the starting point is so high, right, for the regular people. And the ETFs, how about like your your product compared with the ETFs or the mutual funds? Because ETF is very easy to trade, right? It, it, it is very easy to trade, but you don't get you don't get direct price exposure to the commodity. So TLT, for example, the Treasury product has different components in it, it rebalances, etc. Geez, I, I don't know what that's trading at today. I could look at it real quick. It's quite opaque, I guess. Right. It's like a and black box. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. A and nice you know, number that comes out of this black box. And then there's other ETF products, especially like for the energies. So the energy, the composition of the energy is 
they take a little bit of what the like what oil would be, but they also have in some of these products producers and refiners, etc. Okay. Whereas we'll come out with a, a global oil index that'll give you direct exposure to the price of oil. Do you follow me? Yeah. And then for the sake of argument, with the global oil, there's a product called USO on the equity ETF. Yep. That will will give you a similar exposure, but it has different components than direct price exposure to the commodity. And it's trading around $15, $16, which compared to the large product on the traded at the CME or at the ICE, that product is going to move zero to $1,200 a day. And regular everyday investors can't really absorb that to trade it at any size. But our global oil index will give you that same exposure. It will have that same type of move that you have that opportunity. But ours, the average move is plus or minus $125, for example. And then the USO, the ETF, that's moved in a very, very small range over the years. Okay. So it kind of lacks some of that direct trading exposure. Doesn't really provide you an ability to hedge, so to speak. And then if you look at some of the, I don't want to call them uh, hand, uh, the restrictions on the equity side for trading. Day trading requirements, $25,000. You got to have an account minimum to day trade. Yeah, have uh, to short. And if you short it, God forbid, that yeah. you don't think it's going to be a good investment, you have to do a short sale locate. Correct. And then you do a short sale locate and then... In a couple of days, if the clearing firm can't hold on to that locate, they got to notify you that you either you buy it back in or we're going to buy it back right. in. Right. And it's not only a pain in the in the rear end to the end customer, but operationally and logistically, it's also difficult for the brokerage firm. Yes. So it has its challenges. As with our futures products, there's no day trading rules. Right. We'll have, again, smaller contracts, smaller margin requirement, more capital efficient. And whether you're bullish or bearish, you know, you, you can trade either one. And there's no short sell locates, no short sell rules, etc. Okay. And so, so if I want to talk about the products itself, so like, for example, like you mentioned, the global oil index. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. So did you all formulate these indexes yourself? We did. Okay, uh, so you don't have to pay the MSCI or pay... No, we're not paying any index <laughs> creating creating entity. Okay. And uh, that was I, a deliberate reason? Okay. Yes, yes, because we wanted to control the intellectual property to these things. Okay. So, and then if you think about everything we've done, we've built everything ourselves. Okay. So all the pieces as a whole make us the small exchange. But each one of the individual pieces have value that we can utilize. And, you know, if we if things don't work out or or we feel the ability to create other products, we could we can piece them off if we want. So but with the equity creations, we wanted to be able to build our own because, you know, whether through hubris or not, we have some very smart men and women that were are working with us and they thought that they could do a better job. And uh, so hence that we've created them ourselves. Okay. Okay. And roughly, so for all these, uh, I noticed that uh, all the products, so you have the oil, you cover oil, cover dollar, you cover metals with a stock, right? Yep. So we wanted to hit all five yeah, of the major the, asset yeah. classes. And how, like, 
um, what would be like the starting margin that you would require? Okay, so the, the starting margin will be, well, it depends on, you know, the, the pricing at the time, but anywhere from 50 to $200. Okay, so very affordable. Very affordable for everybody. Okay. And okay. again, we'll go back to the capital efficiencies, and then we're going to standardize the product so they'll look and tick like a stock. So one tick or one point equals $1. The multi- oh, thank goodness. <laughs> the multipliers, the multiplier for each index is a hundred dollars. So, and the expiration cycle is the same. So, one price, one product, zero confusion is what we like to say. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so my questions I have is so, for example, like let's say like uh, the stock index that you have, right? Why the small stocks? Like, why do you choose that? particular range of stocks so we, we thought 75 was the, the the sweet spot so when we also know that our exchange that we want to be able to create pairs trades and pairs trading opportunities for different participants meaning you could trade our product or and you can hedge a portion of your portfolio when mm-hmm. it has a tech sector or whatever in it mm-hmm. and then you know you'd be able to use our product and trade stocks and then you can use our product and trade some of the larger indices at some of the large futures exchanges. So we could create that collateral trade. Okay. But the stock index in particular, we thought back to when we were trading it on the, in the floor at the CBOE. You didn't trade 500 stocks when you were uh, You can't remember either. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you narrowed your focus to, to what you wanted to trade. So we tried to narrow the focus with the number of stocks. We wanted to have the most liquid, the, the stocks that move the most, et cetera, to be components in our equity index. And if you look closely, there the equity index is made up of five sectors. And these five sectors, depending on what the customer is holding in their portfolio, it will allow them to hedge their portfolio or, or a portion of their portfolio, depending mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. they're holding. The product will actually move enough that will create opportunity and asset speculation. And then we think, and I'm banking on this, that our products will have an appeal for the advisory space because of their the size of them, the capital efficiency of them, that they will be a potential long-term investment for the individual who invests for themselves, self-directed customer, as well as the advisory space. Yeah, that makes sense. So like the the, when I was reading the specs, um, a lot of it, you you have a weightage of the different products, right, in, within the index mm-hmm. itself or the product itself. How are they calculated? Are they calculated on a daily basis or on a... Um, so the, so the, the actual, actual index will rebalance once a year. Oh, once a year. Yep. Okay, the weightage. Okay. 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 So I had one more question about interest rates. So for the interest oh, rate yeah. one... I was quite intrigued that you kind of lump all the different interest rates of different years, like all together. So is the assumption that they will all kind of move in the same timing or that it doesn't matter because yeah. won't they kind of cancel out if they are acting in different uh, directions? Uh, they will. But if you look at our, our, our initial interest rate product, it's an on the run 10 year. And what is good about our product on that is that me, you, People that work for you, people walking down the street, they live and exist in a world of yield, right? Correct. So your your home loan, your car loan, your whatever. Right. Uh, you buy a building, it's, a, it's in yield. All the existing 
interest rate products trade in the inverse, right? So they don't trade in yield. So our product, do you follow me? So, so treasuries trade in the inverse of yield. So if the yield goes down, the price of the bond goes up. Right, right. right? So right. it's an inverse relationship. Right. Our products will allow you to trade and stay in yield. So if you're long the bond, long the interest rate index, you want it to go up. If you're short it, you want it to go down. Very simple. If you look at the existing treasury products, they all have different tick sizes. They I know trade I need to draw a chart. Every time yeah. I need to draw a table, figure out, figure so, out. So one of the things that I do is I, when I give a, a presentation, and I, I'm glad to do this for your customer base, I will show a table of all the different tick sizes of the different futures products. And the one that's toughest to understand is the treasury. Because mm-hmm. it trades in 30 seconds, 16th, mm-hmm. you have to do a conversion. It's just very difficult for people to understand. Whereas ours will just trade and yield. So, again, if you go long, you'll understand it. And if you go short and you want it to go down, and you'll understand it. And we'll standardize, again, the tick size, the multiplier, and the expiration cycle to make, keep it small, standard, and simple. So everybody can trade it. And here again is the opportunity for a collateral trade for your customers between our product and the larger treasuries mm-hmm. or our product and some treasury lookalike on the equity side. So there's a lot of our products will create a lot, a lot of opportunity besides just trading our market and the capital efficiencies that will come with it. Yeah, I'm. Um, so uh, thanks again once again for your time. I really appreciate that because it's hard to make simple things simple, right? It's difficult. So, <laughs> so, so it's a lot of thought and effort to kind of right, it make is. it very clear for the people. So I, I appreciate that. Well, it's, I appreciate being here. And, you know, that's what we all wanted to do. Our credo at the exchange is a small standard and simple, and we want to keep it that way going forward. It's the easiest way for people to understand and consume the products. And we just want to do that from here till whenever. Whenever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.